Happy Easter Wednesday, my friends and family. I pray that you are doing phenomenal. You and your family are staying healthy and you just keep falling more in love with Jesus every single day. So today on Always More Wednesday of Crossing the Jordan, we're going to be talking not more of a, you know more of me talking, but more of me kind of reading. Um, and it's based off of one book, but there's actually two books that I want to promote first. And the reason I want to promote both of these books is because they are stories of Protestants who became Catholic and these two books are presented in a much different way. They don't just simply just tell their story, but they actually show how one thing uh, of their beliefs of Protestantism shows the truths of the Catholic faith. So the first book is called The Apostasy That Wasn't, The Extraordinary Story of the Unbreakable Early Church by Rob Bennett. And both of these will be in the show notes as well. Um, I actually have not read this book, but I've, uh, I, I'm well aware of um, the whole the whole story, um, but it, it would be interesting to read it all in detail. But Rob Bennett, he came into the Catholic Church. Uh, he was Protestant for many years. He believed that the gospel in the fourth century was was brought in with all this paganism um, because Emperor Constantine of Rome fa- uh, essentially favored Christianity after that, and then it brought in all this pagan ritualism and pagan superstition. And this is a very popular idea, is that if the church was founded by Jesus, well, it had this huge apostasy, and where they find that at is in the 4th century. And this is a tradition of men that doesn't follow history uh, that started, um, you know, after the Protestant Revolution, where people needed to have, because people were saying, no, this is the church that Jesus founded. And if people wanted to break away from that church, they needed to, you know, they didn't want to say, I'm breaking away from the church that Jesus founded or that is still Jesus' church and we just need to reform the people within it. No, you need to, they wanted to show that, you know, this church actually had a great apostasy and it's not the church that was meant to be. Um, So this is where this whole myth came from, is where the Catholic church in the fourth century became you know, completely corrupted. The gospel was completely corrupted and it entered into these dark ages where like basically nobody had uh, the true gospel and all these things, right? But as as we know, <laughs> uh, that does not follow history. That does not follow church, uh, the church fathers, doctors, because when you look at the readings, even outside of the, the biblical text in the first century, second century, third century, fourth century, and fifth century, when you get into like St. Augustine, it's the exact same faith the entire time. They believe in the authority of the church. They believe in the Eucharist. They believe in, in the intercession of, of, of saints. And they believe in the sacraments. They believe in the priesthood. They believed in, uh, in church authority and the, and the successor of Peter. All from the very beginning. Even before the Bible, they had all of those beliefs. The Bible, after they were writing all these things down to the, these churches, it just shows uh, what they were already expressing. It wasn't like the Bible we don't use as a, as a proof text, but it's actually coming out of the church, out of the tradition that was handed down from Jesus to the apostles. And the second book that I want to promote, and that's, this is the one that we're going to be going over today, is called The Protestant's Dilemma, and it's by Devin Rose, and it's how the Reformation's shocking consequences point to the truth of Catholicism. So I did read this book uh, briefly, and it's, really, and it's a really good book. It's actually a pretty easy read as well. He sets it up in a very nice way. But he shows he is a convert from Protestantism to Catholicism, and he shows that all the things that he believed uh, as a Protestant actually point to the truth of the Catholic Church because a lot of the things were illogical and it didn't make sense based on the promises of Christ and, and history. 
and that's what we're going to be going through today. But before we go into his book, um, I kind of want to like piece actually both books together, the apostasy that wasn't and the Protestant's dilemma. Because really, I believe that this is the biggest dilemma for Protestants. Before I was Catholic um, and I was a Protestant, I believed uh, kind of a mix between the two because I wasn't sure which one to pick. But here's the dilemma, and there's really two things that you have to decide if you're going to say the Catholic Church is not the church that you should belong to today. So the first one is either the Catholic Church isn't the church that was founded by Christ and it was founded later by men and it is merely a human institution. And a lot of people, again, point back to the 4th century uh, Emperor Constantine in Rome and say that's where the Catholic Church was founded and it's just a mere human institution. The second option is or the Catholic Church is founded by Christ but that but then it was a, a, there was a great apostasy and it fell away from the true gospel. And that's kind of more of what Rob Bennett's book is about. So the first one, if the church is truly just created by men in the fourth century, well then, like I said before, it contradicts history because you look at the fourth century, it's the exact same teachings and you see Emperor Constantine, he just made it legal. It was no longer a persecuted and hated faith that people said it's just mere superstition and we need to kill these Christians. People were, uh, it was a very violent time in the first four centuries in Rome for all Christians. That's why um, secretly in uh, in Scripture, John in the Apocalypse and St. Paul elsewhere and St. Peter refer to Rome as Babylon because it was like this great, uh, this great violence, you know, and that's what they're, they're referencing when the Israelites were taken to Babylon in captivity and held slavery and persecuted. And it's the same thing for Christians. And that was like the, you know, that was the place where the center of the world was. And that's where they were, had a, an incredible church founded by Peter and Paul was writing to. And so they referred to the Roman authority there as Babylon because they were persecuting the Christian church. And in the fourth century, Emperor Constantine, uh, he, he converted to the Catholic church and he said, it's no longer um, a religion that needs to be that should be persecuted. It was it was a legal religion as before it was it was illegal. So it contradicts history because you see um, in the first, second, third, fourth century, fifth century, sixth century, holding the exact same beliefs about everything. And a lot of uh, there's a lot of people um, that will say, well, the Catholic Church has a lot of paganism in it. And I hope that you, if you are a listener to this podcast, you will see that it is, it is extremely Jewish because the Catholic Church is the fulfillment of, in Christ, of all the things promised in the Old Testament. And it, everything is Jewish. The Mass, Jewish. The, the priesthood, Jewish. The um, successor of Peter and the apostles, Jewish. It's the kingdom. It's the it's the new Adam and this the new Eve. It it is the new Moses going through exile and with the new man of the Eucharist. Like everything is Jewish, as Mother Miriam said, who is a nun, a convert from Judaism. She said the most Jewish thing you could ever do is become Catholic. Um, and honestly, there's another book coming out by Trent Horn. I don't think it's out yet, but he's gonna go through and it shows that these same arguments where the Catholic Church is pagan. These are the almost the exact same arguments that atheists use against Christianity on the topic of Jesus. That he wasn't actually God. He wasn't. He didn't actually exist. All these things are pagan. They're pagan in nature, and and your Jesus is a ripoff, and Christianity is a ripoff of just pagan beliefs brought into 
and, and impressed upon this man, Jesus. So that's, that's one of them. Um, so that it was the first one of that the church was, um, was created by men and had pagan origins. And the second uh, dilemma is to say that, well, the church fell away. But then again, we see that it contradicts history, and there is no break in belief century to century. And it also, unfortunately, this is the biggest issue, is that it contradicts the words of Christ, and it makes what Christ said himself void and null. Because when he says, uh, he, you know, he gave the, the keys to Peter, Matthew 16 and 18, to bind and to loose, and he shares that binding and loosing authority with the apostles in Matthew 18, 18. In Matthew 28, I'm with you always. He tells his apostles that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Ephesians 1, through 1, says, Church is the fullness of Christ that fills all things. In other words, the church never goes out of existence. It never ceases because it is the body of Christ and it continues on in truth that is guided by the Holy Spirit, not of humans. It is a divine uh, divine guidance. It's a divine, it's divine institution that has human beings in it. So there's a lot of sin and brokenness in it as well, but that's the human side of it. But the Catholic Church is also a, a divine institution. And in Ephesians 2.20 says it's founded on the foundation of the apostles and is in, and is one structure together and it grows into a holy temple in the Lord for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And then the famous uh, St. Paul, 1 Timothy 3.15, the church is the pillar and bulwark of truth. So if you are if you say that, the well, the Catholic Church was founded, but then it fell away. That directly contradicts the words of Christ himself. And that's a scary thought. And then when you look at history again, you're basically saying that the church fell away. And typically that's marked in the fourth century. And you're saying for over 1,000 years, not a single person, <laughs> you know, really, uh, you know, in the within the church, you know, raised their hand and said, this is all wrong. You know, it took literally 1600 years until somebody had raised their hand but as history has shown 1600 years later we have traditions of men and a lot of persecution of the catholic church in order to rationalize them taking away uh from the church of christ and even um even Martin Luther said that at the end of his life, like, what have I done? I've pulled away from the Church of Christ. And even what he said at one point in his life of when he was attacking the, the, the Mass and the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass was that he said he heard it from the devil. So, like, a lot of this stuff is uh, it's pretty mind-blowing once you actually start reading um, and reading history. And not only do these things contradict history, but they also, uh, in those early centuries, you know, this is where the church defined the belief of uh, defined the belief of the Trinity, that three persons, one God, all distinct from each other, but fully God in and of themselves, and they're completely united. And the person of Jesus, of the hypostatic union of di- divinity and humanity together, making one person, not two persons, but one. And he has two divine. He has two wills, divine and a human will. Um, and the Bible, the Bible came from this corrupted church in the fourth century. So this is another issue with these arguments. And these are all the fundamental beliefs of all what all Christians accept. And so you'd have to say that it was the corrupted church, whether it was the corrupted church that fell away or it was the corrupted church that began during that time, that gave you all of the that defined and gave you all the fundamental Christian beliefs, including the Bible itself, you'd have to figure out what is uh, your Bible because that was where it came from, was the, church, was the church defining what was based off tradition handed on to them from Jesus and the apostles. So 
the Protestant uh, dilemma from Devin Rose. There's actually 34 chapters, but I'll just go through them fairly quickly. The first one is on divine authority. If Protestantism is true, Christ revoked the authority that he gave to the church when he founded it. And if Catholicism is true, the church has never lost the divine authority that Christ gave it, and, and corruption has never polluted its teachings. The papacy. If Protestantism is true, after centuries of its, of its existence, God decided to eradicate the office of the papacy. If Catholicism is true, the papacy was established by Christ, has endured and retains the authority entrusted to it by Christ even to this day. If Protestantism is true, ecumenical councils somehow no longer have the authority they used to have. Because Catholicism is true, church councils have the same binding authority today that they did in the early centuries. If Protestantism is true, the meaning of the four marks of the church fundamentally changed during the Reformation, which is one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. Because Catholicism is true, the four marks of the church have the same meaning today as they did when the early Christians formulated the creed. The next section is the Protestants' view of the, of the Catholic Church. If Protestantism is true, Catholics are at best in serious error and at worst non-Christian cultists. Because Catholicism is true, Catholics are Christians in the fullest sense. If Protestantism is true, we're stuck without a trustworthy guide to Christian truth. Because Catholicism is true, the Church is both a human institution and a supernatural society with Christ at its head. And then he goes through a section called the Bible and Tradition. If Protestantism is true, it's okay to remove books from the New Testament canon if you judge them to be not inspired. Because Catholicism is true, God guided the early church to discern the New Testament and no man afterward can change it. If Protestantism is true, God allowed the early church to put seven books in the Bible that didn't belong there. Because Catholicism is true, Christ's church, and not the Jews, possessed the authority and divine guidance to discern the Old Testament canon. If Protestantism is true, the canon of scripture is subject to every Christian's personal discernment. Because Catholicism is true, God guided his church, but does not guide every individual Christian to correctly discern the canon. If Protestantism is true, the Bible is a fallible collection of infallible books. Because Catholicism is true, God ensured that all Christians could have conscious binding certainty in the canon. If Protestantism is true, Protestants should be united in their interpretations of the Bible. Because Catholicism is true, Sola Scriptura has not led to unity but to endless divisions that show no signs of ceasing. If Protestantism is true, we all decide for ourselves what God's revelation means. Because Catholicism is true, the Bible was not intended to be studied in isolation from the apostolic tradition and apart from the teaching authority of Christ's church. If Protestantism is true, all we have is fallible opinions about infallible books. Because Catholicism is true, God wanted all Christians to know saving truth, so he has infallibly guided the church in its teachings on faith and morals. If Protestantism is true, today's Protestant missionaries are misinterpreting the Great Commission. Because Catholicism is true, the church has always understood the Great Commission as applying to Christians in every era. If Protestantism is true, there's no reason to believe that public revelation ended with the death of the last apostle. Because Catholicism is true, sacred tradition always contain, also contains God's revelation to man and it tells us when revelation ended. If Protestantism is true, Christians have zero need to understand even their own history or tradition. Because Catholicism is true, 
It's important to learn from the wisdom of those who have gone before us in faith. And if Protestantism is true, Christians must follow even the seemingly absurd commands of Scripture. Because Catholicism is true, we have divinely ordained interpreter of Scripture to help us understand difficult passages. And then he goes into a section on the sacraments and salvation. If Protestantism is true, asking for the prayers of saints in heaven is a sort of idolatry. Because Catholicism is true, God is a loving Father who makes it possible for his children to exchange gifts with one another. If Protestantism is true, the purpose and meaning of baptism are anyone's guess. Because Catholicism is true, God regenerates us through baptism, a truth that was taught by the apostles and then transmitted without corruption to their successors. If Protestantism is true, we don't know for sure whether infants should be baptized, not only dividing churches, but potentially imperiling millions of souls. Because Catholicism is true, infant baptism is consistent with revealed truths in scripture and tradition. Moreover, infants should receive baptism because through it, through it God infuses in them sanctifying grace, which saves. If Protestantism is true, when we die, God waves a magic sanctification wand over us, wretched, filthy sinners, to make us suddenly fit for heaven. Because Catholicism is true, through sanctification we are truly made holy, empowered by the Spirit to fulfill the new covenant law of love. If Protestantism is true, marriage is not an outward sign of an inward grace wrought by God, even though Protestants sometimes act like it is. Because Catholicism is true, we know that Christian marriage is a sacrament, a sign of God's grace ordered toward salvation. If Protestantism is true, the anointing of the sick is not a sacrament, even though the Bible attests to it in multiple places. Because Catholicism is true, anointing of the sick was instituted by Christ, practiced by the apostles, and intended to continue as a sacrament of God's grace throughout the history of the church. If Protestantism is true, Christ may be present somehow in the Eucharist, or it may be a purely symbolic and even optional ritual, or it may be a demonic form of idolatry. Because Catholicism is true, Christ is really present in the Eucharist, just as he said. If Protestantism is true, the power that Jesus gave men to forgive sins died with the apostles. Because Catholicism is true, God chooses to work through men to share the gospel, to be his hands and feet, and even to forgive sins. If Protestantism is true, anyone who accurately interprets and teaches from the Bible has authority in Christ's church. Because Catholicism is true, Christ gave divine authority to the apostles and they in turn to their successors, continuing one bishop to another down through the ages. Then it goes through Christian history and practice. If Protestantism is true, sexual morality is culturally conditioned and thus subject to change. Because Catholicism is true, sexual morality transcends time in the shifting sands of cultural opinion. If Protestantism is true, Christian moral teachings are subject to change based on a majority vote. Because Catholicism is true, the church's moral teachings were true yesterday, today, and forever. If Protestantism is true, there is nothing wrong with choosing a church based on your taste and an interest rather than God's truth. Because Catholicism is true, the church that Christ established and has guided into all truth can still be found today. If Protestantism is true, you never know which leaders, if any, have true authority. Because Catholicism is true, God guides the rightful authority to his church, so submitting to its authorities is submitting to God. If Protestantism is true, most of Christianity's saints believed in a corrupted gospel. Because Catholicism is true, Catholic saints had heroic faith in Jesus Christ and lived that faith in spirit and in truth. 
If Protestantism is true, you wouldn't expect Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, to have been an anti-Semite and polygamy supporter. Because Catholicism is true, unsurprisingly, the architect of the Reformation was much less than a saintly man. If Protestantism is true, nothing can stop a new Reformation from overturning traditional Protestant doctrines. Because Catholicism is true, doctrines of the faith are invulnerable to substantial revision or reversal. If Protestantism is true, the ancient practice of celibacy meant the church was corrupted from the very beginning. Because Catholicism is true, celibacy for the kingdom was and is a divinely ordained practice to which some members of Christ's church are called. And that is the entire book for each chapter that Devin Rose goes through in his book, The Protestant's Dilemma, and obviously he goes into much more detail than all of that. So go ahead and check that book out along with Rob Bennett's book, The Great Apostasy, both of them again being uh, converts to the Catholic Church from their Protestant denominations. And hopefully even just going through the chapters of Devin Rose's book today was really illuminating and eye-opening of just the different interpretations and how all of those points of confusion are consequences that ultimately point to the truth of the Catholic Church that was founded, instituted, protected, guided by Christ himself as the head of the church for 2,000 years, and that has not changed. And to be a part of that church is to be in the church that is the pillar and the bulwark of truth, and the truth will make us free. And free for what? We get to focus even more on our relationship with Christ and fall more and more in love with our king, the head of the church, our bridegroom. And because we do not have to figure out which ones are true on fundamental Christian beliefs. And that's why we want to cling to the tradition of the apostles that is found in the Catholic Church that has been uh, um, true for 2,000 years. And on the promises of Christ will always remain true.